You got Noah Dobson, Ilya Sorokin, Matthew Barzell, and Bo Horvat, and that's who you're going to build around. There's not a lot of help coming from Bridgeport. Another first-round pick uh, out the door. After all these years of waiting for Ilya Sorokin, you, you sort of can't let him walk out the door. Newsday presents the Island Ice Podcast with Andrew Gross. And welcome to Island Ice, Newsday's New York Islanders podcast. I am Andrew Gross of Newsday, and for a second straight episode, a second straight week, we're going to talk a lot about Bo Horvat, the newest Islander, and the newly signed Islander, as he and the Islanders agree to an Eight-year, $68 million contract. That's an AAV of $8.5 million. President and General Manager Lou Lamarillo asked about that contract. Uh, was kind of blunt, saying it was for too many years and for too much money, but that is the price of doing business in the NHL. Lou Lamarillo uh, knows that better than anyone, so... We're going to talk a lot about Bo Horvat and his new deal, what it means for the organization, and uh, also some impressions of Bo Horvat's debut with the Islanders, which was a 2-1 win over the Flyers in Philadelphia on Monday as the Islanders extended their winning streak to three games. We will also get to your questions later on for Andrew's answers. Have some audio from uh, from Bo Horvat, from Lou Lamarillo, from Matthew Barzell, from Anders Lee, and Noah Dobson, and uh, let's get right to Bo Horvat, who uh, who talks about his first day on Long Island, his relief at getting a contract done this quickly, and the reaction he saw from his new teammates coming into the Islanders' room. You know, you talked about, you know, you wanted to let other people handle this and just concentrate on hockey. What pushed this over the edge? You know, first day on Long Island, signing up for eight years. Yeah, no, I mean, um, no, I just think, you know, my wife and I talked about uh, about this place a lot. And this place, honestly, um, was probably in my top five uh, right from the beginning, uh, just from what I heard from it. Um, obviously, the team, the organization, and... And then, um, obviously, I don't know the area too, too well, but um, I can't wait to get to know it for uh, for eight years here. Just the type of person you are, and obviously we'll get to learn that over eight years, but how important is this to you to just, you know, to not worry about being an impending UFA and yeah. to, it, it just having that cleared from your plate? Yeah, I mean, honestly, it's a relief, um, to be honest with you. Um, it's been a, a mental grind of a year, uh, to say the least, and... Um, you know, to, to finally, you know, lock it in and and, uh, and kind of be set up uh, somewhere for, you know, the unknowing was, was kind of the, the place or the thing that was kind of hindering, you know, me and my family the most. So to be locked in here for eight years is, is special to me, especially to my family, and uh, we can't wait to get everybody here. Tell me about the, the reaction from the other guy, you know, from the moment you walked into the facility this morning. I mean, everybody's been so so welcoming. Um, you know, I feel right at home here. Um, you know, all the guys have been have been great towards me, and and welcoming me and you know shooting me text messages before I got here. I feel like I've, I've known them, um, you know, for a little, for a little bit of time now. So um, can't wait to keep getting to know them. 
When when Lou Lamarillo made this trade, he obviously talked about the implications for this season, but said he never saw this as a this season only trade. Uh, you send Anthony Beauvillier, Atu Ratu, and a top twelve protected first round pick to the Canucks. Now, if the Islanders' first round pick this season happens to be in the top twelve, then the Canucks will get the Islanders' 2024 first-round pick, and that is not lottery or any other way protected. So uh, the, uh, the the Canucks certainly rooting for the Islanders to, uh, you know, maybe uh, miss the playoffs here um, and, and slide into a, a better draft pick for next season. But as far as the implications for the future of the franchise, and again, Lou talked about uh, the, the importance of getting Bo Horvat signed and the intentions of getting Bo Horvat signed. And really, it took uh, uh, Bo Horvat and the organization six days to uh, work out a new deal, eight, po- eight times $8.5 million. Um, and it was a little bit higher than what, uh, what I thought maybe would happen. I, I, I thought maybe they could get them done at eight by eight. But uh, probably Bo Horvat and his agent had a number, and the Islanders realized they they had to meet that. So uh, Bo Horvat maybe even came down a little bit off of what he thought he might get on the open market just for a little bit of uh, security and and relief, as you heard Bo Bo Horvat talk about. This has been a tough season for him because he started it thinking he would be a Vancouver Canuck for life, but as far as the implications for the future of the franchise, let's start with a, a couple of the negatives first. Because hey, we're in the media; that's where we all go, right? Um, and I guess I've been learning from Highlanders Twitter after five years on this job. But uh, the main thing to me is another year uh, or another first round pick uh, out the door. Lou Lamarillo has traded first round picks. Uh, to acquire Kyle Palmieri, to acquire Jean-Gabriel Pajot, um, and also to acquire Alexander Romanov, Palmieri, and Pajot, you know, being established veterans, and Romanov, still uh, 22, um, has a chance to develop into, uh, you know, a better defenseman than he is right now. It's, It's just his third season in the league, and you know, if you're giving up first round picks, you do want some uh, certainty there. But uh, when you look at the long, long term future of this franchise, the cupboards are are going to be pretty bare soon, especially after trading Atu Ratu, uh, their top forward prospect, uh, Samuel Bulldog, their top defense prospect. Uh, you know, we we've seen Robin Sallow, and now there's a lot of hope. Uh, on Samuel Bulldock being able to break into the top six. There's not a lot of help coming from Bridgeport in the AHL over the next few seasons. There there really isn't. And uh, so this is the group. But in terms of the positive implications, and I, I do think there are a lot. First of all, uh, you know, Bo Horvat may never, you know, he may never have a season like this again. He's, he's got 31 goals, and he's, you know, uh, it sure seems like he's going to get to 40 
uh, and maybe beyond that, he's probably more in the range of a 30-goal score uh, when you look at, the, uh, look at his career. But then again, he, he's coming right into his prime. So, you know, if him and Matthew Barzell can really develop chemistry, Bo Horvat's going to be in some great positions to score. So, you know, another 40-goal season, if him and Matt Barzell are, are, are doing what the team certainly expects him to do, then uh, uh, there's certainly that chance. But beyond that, the Islanders now have this, uh, you talk about, you know, team cores, and for so long it was uh, Anders Lee and Adam Pellick and Ryan Pulak and Josh Bailey, and uh, who am I missing? Uh, Anders Lee. Going forward, this team's core is Bo Horvat, and it is Matthew Barzell, and provided they can work on a deal, a new new deal, long-term deal for goalie Ilya Sorokin. Uh, those, and Noah Dobson. You got Noah Dobson, Ilya Sorokin, Matthew Barzell, and Bo Horvat, and that's who you're going to build around. And that is something you can sell to the rest of the NHL. Other players are going to look at that and, and be attracted to that. That is a really good starting point. And, and it just, it, it just all melds into one. You've got that. You, you, you have your new arena now at UBS and I've talked about this, the way they built that arena, it's, it's like a showcase for the Islanders. You're, you're trying to attract players. Yes, the, the, the home dressing room at UBS and all the home facilities, the two stories they got there, that is really, really nice. And uh, they can show that off in the summer to prospective unrestricted free agents. But during the season, they're also selling UBS because the visitor's dressing room is really, really nice. And players come in and, and, and they do see that. And there is talk. And, uh, you know, uh, I was talking about this on a, a radio show with Jeff uh, Merrick uh, yesterday. Uh, Jeff was bringing up the, the, the large amount of Newport Agency uh, players that are signed on this team. And uh, Bo Horvat being another one, he works with agent Pat Morris. So word gets around. You know, word certainly is going through that agency that the Islanders are, are a destination team. Uh, otherwise, Bo Horvat would not have really agreed to an eight-year extension without knowing a little bit of something, without first stepping. <laughs> it was essentially signed the moment he he stepped on Long Island. So people were in his ear. He had a really good feeling about this. He was willing to commit. You heard him say the Islanders were probably going to be in the top five uh, anyway uh, of his choices if he had gotten to, to market this summer. So now uh, going forward, you, you have this this core of uh, Noah Dobson, who's a budding superstar in this league. He's just getting better and better. Uh, you got Ilya Sorokin, who is going to win a Vesna Trophy one of these seasons. He, he is that good. Uh, and you have Matthew Barzell and and Bo Horvat in their primes, both of them on eight-year extensions starting next season. And yes, between, between Matthew Barzell and Bo Horvat and 
and and Dobson and whatever Sorokin is going to get, and it's going to be a lot. It may be it it probably could top Bo Horvat's eight point five million. You are committed to a lot of money for four players, but you are going to have space to bring in others. Uh, uh, contracts are going to start coming off the books. Uh, Josh Bailey after next season. Uh, Semyon Varlamov after this season. That's ten million right there. Um, you're, you're, there's going to be money to be had. And again, getting back to the negative, the fear is that Lou is selling out the future of this franchise. But, uh, in terms of prospects and draft picks, yes, that is in the case. That is the case in terms of making the Islanders an attractive destination. They are one of them now. And I know you can talk about Johnny Gaudreau, uh, not, not coming here and uh, whatever happened there. And, uh, and the same thing with Nazem Kadri and, and Lou Lamarillo couldn't get that done, uh, this off season for whatever happened. But, but Bo Horvat wanted to be here and Bo Horvat is in, in, intensely and incredibly respected around this league. And, and it's going to speak volumes in, in other teams' dressing rooms. The, the, the Islanders are for real here, and they do have a good core that's going to be attractive to other players to join. Um, Lou Lamarillo did talk about the contract, and uh, it's uh, <laughs> how it was maybe a, a little bit too much. Um, but he, he talked about uh, the importance of being able to offer Bo Horvat the eighth season once they did acquire him, and also on Bo Horvat just being willing to negotiate and sign before becoming an unrestricted free agent. Well, I think it's usually the solidifying factor that you don't want to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, as I said, contracts these days are too long. You understand that. Uh, and what you try and do is make sure that there's other systemic parts that uh, don't get in the way. Well, you know, he, he knows a lot about us. You know, I mean, uh, and we knew a lot about him. Uh, we played in London. Uh, we scouted him a lot when he was a junior. We interviewed him. So, you know, we, we've got a little history going back there. Uh, and players know teams. And I think it's a compliment to the uh, New York Island organization as far as what the culture is here and the type of players we have and people, uh, that this is a place where he wanted to stay. So the sample size on Bo Horvat as an Islander, as I speak to you, is just that one game, the 2-1 win at Philadelphia. Uh, it was interesting uh, because you have the you know you want to you you you've acquired Bo Horvat because Matthew Barzell has been craving a finisher on his line. Jordan Eberle was really the last guy that that really seemed to understand and, and and to be able to meld with Matthew Barzell and and even Jordan Eberle went through his you know production streaks. Um, so it's been a while for Matthew Barzell uh, to have a legitimate finisher on his line. And, and if one game sample, you got to be excited uh, because by the end of the first period, Matthew Barzell made uh, this little behind the back pass uh, 
from uh, a backhander. He was uh, cruising around the, the flyer's crease. He spotted, it seemed like out of the back of his helmet, he spots uh, Bo Horvat open for a shot in the crease, in the slot. And Barcel negotiated and navigated through traffic in a, a little behind-the-back pass feed. And it was a good shot. Carter Hart stopped it. Uh, Horvat later uh, he almost uh, tipped one in off Noah Dobson's stick. He had his chances. Team high four shots there. And, and the interesting thing is uh, you know, we talk about Matthew Barzell needing a finisher. Uh, he was not the center on the line. And that's essentially, he's essentially been the top line center since uh, John Tavares walked out the door. But Bo Horvat is much better in the faceoff circles. Matthew Barzell did not take a faceoff against the Flyers, and I don't see him taking a ton of face-offs moving forward. And uh, and now you, you got all four of the Islanders' centers are are, are good in the face-off circle. Casey Sezikis, Jean-Gabriel Pajot is very good. Uh, Bo Horvat, uh, I believe he was eighth in the, in the league on face-off win percentage coming into Monday's game. And and Brock Nelson holds his own there, too, certainly. Um, and that's just going to help puck possession time. And, uh, you know, Barzell has some adjusting, adjustments to make, more in the, the defensive zone uh, in terms of playing wing in the defensive zone. In the offensive zone, you still saw Matthew Barzell with the puck on his stick. So whether he's designated the pivot or whether he's designated the, the right wing, uh, he's still going to play with the puck on his stick. Bo Horvat seemed to understand, or after at least a, after a couple of shifts, he seemed to understand or start to understand what Matt Barzell was looking for. That is just going to blossom. The more games they play together, they, they are going to produce. Um, and, uh, and then you had Josh Bailey on the left wing of that. Uh, Josh, it seemed like he had a rough start to the game, uh, prone to a few turnovers earlier in the first period. But as I thought his game settled down, uh, as, as the game went on, he, uh, he got his first point in six games. Uh, that was on the power play, and we'll talk about the power play later. Uh, but he he set up uh, the power play goal to uh, Kyle Palmieri. Um, he, he did go into the corners. He retrieved a couple of pucks, made a couple of nice passes uh, to either Matthew Barzell or, uh, or Bo Horvat. I don't know how long Josh Bailey stays on that line. Uh, it, it all depends what other moves Lou Lamarillo may or may not make. And Josh Bailey has got to produce more. Uh, you know, one assist in six games is just not going to keep him on the top line. But a promising first game for that. And uh, the other thing I really liked about Bo Horvat's game was you, you could see how good he is in the defensive zone, too. Uh, he, he really is. He positions himself well. Uh, it uh, doesn't, you know, get caught. You know, his, his time, his gaps, all, all that type of stuff. He gets in lanes, picked off a few passes. Uh, Matthew Barzell said there were there are a few times where uh, Bo Horvat would wind up picking off or picking up a loose puck or creating a, a giveaway and then quickly starting Matthew Barzell up the ice in transition. And that's going to lead to odd man rushes and, and, and goals as well. The other thing is, as I'm watching this game, uh, 
the fourth line, which was Casey Sezikis between Hudson Fashing and Matt Martin, uh, you're talking about Casey Sezikis. He was on the ice for 13 minutes. He, he was on the penalty hill as well. Hudson Fashing plays 9 minutes, 13 seconds. Matty Martin uh, was out there for 11-17. But I, I think you're going to see uh, Lane Lambert use Bo Horvat and, and Matthew Barzell for more minutes, starting with Barry Trotz, where they roll the four lines. Matthew Barzell is getting 16 minutes a game. I, uh, it, you know, and, and that's been the case for a while, 16, 17 minutes. They, some teams just use their top line, their elite playmakers. They keep throwing them out there, and maybe they don't play the fourth line as much. The Islanders' fourth line has been so good over the years that it, it's been more of a rolling four-line situation. But Matthew Barzell played 2027 uh, against the uh, the Flyers, and Bo Horvat played 1908. And I think you're going to see him much closer to the 20-minute the mark uh, there. Um, and here's Matthew Barzell just talking about his reaction to the Islanders acquiring Bo Horvat. No, it's 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 a huge moment for our organization. So, um, yeah, I feel like you know the Islanders haven't had a spark like this in a while. So it's uh, no, it's it's a it's huge for organization for me and for the guys in the room and um, for our fans for everybody. So we uh, it's a commitment to uh, what we want to build here. Um, I think Bo knows that probably being here just even a day that we we're trying to build something special here and um, he's going to be a key piece. So it's a uh, it's a big moment. Now, is this all enough? Uh, Monday's win gave the Islanders 57 points. Uh, that ties them with the Pittsburgh Penguins, who are in the second wild card spot. But the Penguins have a daunting four games in hand. Uh, the Islanders had played 53 games through Monday, and the Penguins were at 49. You look at the Capitals, who were in the first wild card spot, and the Caps, who have played the same amount of games as the Islanders, are, are three points ahead of the Islanders. So actually, Catching up with the cap seems a little bit more doable right now. It's all going to come down to getting these wins in the head-to-head matchups and 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 regulation wins. Uh, you know, three-point games are not going to help the Islanders here in catching either teams. They have three games against both the Capitals and the Penguins through the end of the season. They got two games with the Penguins coming up, uh, February 17th at UBS Arena, and then three days later in Pittsburgh. You talk about must-wins, crucial wins. Both of those uh, really are. You got three more with the Capitals. Two of those games are in Washington, D.C. You need, really, to, 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 to get those wins. Uh, I think I tweeted this out. Uh, before last night's game, the the Islanders going into Monday had 30 games remaining in their season. Really think you need to get 20 wins or, or you need to get, you know, 40, 41 points out of those last 30 games uh, to really have a chance at the playoffs. So they're going to have to play at a much higher win percentage than they've been chugging along all season. Again, one game against a Flyers team that Coach John Tortorella sent a letter to the fans saying they've been playing hard, but they are not there yet. And uh, it's going to be a step up in competition for the for the Islanders, certainly uh, past the Flyers. They, they, they need wins. They, they need a bunch of wins. But 
Here's Captain Anders Lee first talking about his reaction and the team's reaction to the Bo Horvat trade, and then also being asked about the Islanders' mindset for the rest of the season. Oh, it's great. I mean, obviously, um, brings a lot of a lot of great uh, a lot of great things have been said about him, and I got to meet him a few years back at a PA meeting, and right away you can just tell how great of a guy he is. So, looking forward to getting to know him better. But um, obviously, his pedigree as a player is extremely strong, and uh, we're very excited to have him, and uh, even better that uh, he's going to be with us for a long time here. It's uh, a great thing for him. I'm happy for him and his family, and uh, looking forward to playing and getting to know him. Let's let's, uh, let's go for this. Let's make a push and, and really get things rolling. I know it uh, brings a, a great spark into our room, and um, guys are looking forward to you know the last 30-plus. When you talk about the upcoming schedule, there are you know there are some winnable games here. Uh, uh, there's a trip to Montreal against the rebuilding Canadians coming up. Uh, also, um, uh, on Thursday, uh, and this is going to be a very emotional and interesting game. After the, the Canadians, you also have a game against the Senators who have played uh, the Islanders tough up in Ottawa. This game is at UBS Arena against the Canadians and Senators. Uh, on the 11th and 14th, those are four points. You, you, no ifs, ands, or buts. You got to get four points out of those two games. And then uh, this coming Thursday, which is February 9th, uh, Bohorvat's former team, uh, the Vancouver Canucks, come into town, and they come into town with Anthony Beauvillier. So that is going to be an emotional game going both ways. I'm sure there will be a fantastic. Tribute to Anthony Beauvillier, a nice scoreboard presentation. It was. It's interesting. Obviously, the team is very happy to get uh, Bo Horvat, but a, a few players at, at the same time, not really prompted, have, have talked about uh, you know losing Beauvillier in particular. He was such you know, a beloved teammate, and uh, probably not beloved by anyone more than Matthew Barzell, who was asked about. Uh, both losing Anthony Beauvillier as a teammate, and then um, the the last game he played with Bo, which was uh, uh, the 2-1 overtime win against Las Vegas. And of course, Bo's final play as a New York Islander was setting up Matthew Barzell's OT winner. So uh, Matthew Barzell talks about that as well. You know, but uh, yeah, me and Bo, we got, we got a lot of awesome memories together. Like... Uh, Growing up together, really, um, came in and lived together. He's he's been with me through through everything, really, and I've been with him through everything. So he's uh, he's a special person in my life. Um, he always will be, and uh, you know I obviously just hope he he goes and um, tears it up in Vancouver. I'm uh, I'm always going to be a big fan of his, and as a player and, and, and as a human, I think that you know people that know Bo know he's just a special guy, and um, yeah, one of my favorite teammates of all time. So it's uh. You know, it's sad to see him go, but um, you know, I'm I'm uh, hoping he he has a great career. Is it almost a, fin- a fitting finish, though, Matt? That you know, his final play is setting you up for an overtime winner. Well, yeah, I was thinking about that too. You know, I was I was slumping and uh, hadn't scored in a while, and it's funny. It's like he's always seemed to be there um, over the last you know 
met him when I was 14. We've been pretty much best friends, uh, you know, for over 10 years now. So um, it's kind of funny how it works. I was I was in a slump, and he kind of uh, helped me get out of it. And it's kind of just just speaks to almost like a really ironic moment, just just the kind of guy he is. So he, uh, no, nah, he's he's a special dude. I'm uh, I'm gonna miss him. Now, one of the main reasons the Islanders acquired Bo Horvat was to improve their power play, and Bo Horvat goes into the bumper position on power play one. That's Noah Dobson uh, up uh, on the uh, at the point, and you got uh, Horvat in the uh, bumper position between the circles. You got Brock Nelson and Matthew Barzell in the half walls, and Anders Lee, of course, is the net front presence. Uh, power play unit number two with Josh Bailey feeding Kyle Palmieri uh, got a goal against uh, the Flyers. And the, the, the Islanders came, the, they were one for three against the, the, the Flyers, which, which marks his incredible progress because they, they came into this game 0 for 25 on the man advantage over the previous 10 games and in a mind boggling 3 for 64, which is under 5%, uh, dating back to December 10th over 24 games. So to go 1 for 3, huge sign of progress. Uh, for the power play, it's got to keep going, but Bo Horvat, uh, you know he he he's sort of a, a puck magnet in, in that bumper position, and uh, he had eleven power play goals with the Canucks, and uh, it, it certainly uh, on, on first view there were some moments where you you thought, uh, yeah, th- this is definitely going to work. And here's Noah Dobson talking about what Bo Horvat will potentially bring to the Islanders' p- uh, power play. Uh, I think he can bring a lot. I think. Uh... He obviously, I think he's had around close to 10 goals on the power play this year. He's uh, he's real smart at finding his spots. He knows where to be. And I think even just he's coming from a successful power play in Vancouver that have been really good the last few years where stuff that they do we can kind of implement here. And obviously he's another threat that's going to help us uh, take a, give another option for guys in the half wall and even just tips and stuff. He's got a really good stick. So we're really happy to have him. He's going to help us out there for sure. Now, not to be overlooked is the importance of getting Kyle Palmieri and Noah Dobson and Hudson Fashing back into the lineup, especially since there is no Oliver Wallstrom, there is no Cal Clutterbuck on the horizon. And uh, the, the speculation is certainly for Wallstrom that it's not going to be this season. Um, but Dobson, he's your best option as a power play quarterback and, uh, even five on five, some of his, some of his passes, uh, becoming no looks and, uh, just setting teammates up for deflections around the crease. That's going to click. And Kyle Palmieri in five games back has a five game point streak since his, he missed 27 of 28 with an upper body injury. Um, and, you know, that had been five primary assists and then the power play goal. Um, and, and Hudson Fashing rounds out that fourth line now without Cal Clutterbuck uh, available. And, and also, uh, Bo Horvat's acquisition allows Casey Sezikis to go back to his nominal or normal or comfortable role of centering the fourth line instead of playing on Matt Barzell's uh, right wing. So... Uh, don't you know? We talk about the Islanders needing a scoring wing. 
Uh, certainly getting Kyle Palmieri back, it, it definitely helps that equation. Uh, just two words, three words on the All-Star game. I was down in Fort Lauderdale for it. I think it was huge for Bo Horvat. Um, you know, he answered all the questions about being an Islander, really, down there. He, he kind of wrapped his head around it. Uh, he got to meet Brock Nelson and Ilya Sorokin. Uh, Brock Nelson, uh, he had a fun experience. He loved it with his family. I don't think he had a point, uh, as the Metropolitan Division lost to the Atlantic Division. I think it was 10-6 in that first round. So they lose out on a chance for the 1 million. Ilya Sorokin said it was no fun facing all those odd man rushes and having that many goals scored against him. And also, uh, uh, in the Tendi tandem, uh, that he worked with his buddy, Igor Shosturkin of the Rangers. Shosturkin just killing Sorokin about what a much better shooter Shosturkin was, yet Ilya Sorokin was the one taking uh, rink-length shots, and that was because Ilya Sorokin is apparently good at rock, paper, scissors, and defeated Igor Shosturkin for the right to take those shots. But fun time had by all... Down in Fort Lauderdale, um, I certainly didn't mind a couple of days in the sun and on the beach. Uh, sorry to rub that in. And now uh, let's hear what's on your mind. It's time for your questions with Andrew's Answers. We'll start with uh, Mike Vasilikos. Sorry about that. Does a guy like uh, Jacob Vrana, uh, currently in the Red Wings, uh, system make any sense as an additional forward. Um, he's buried in Detroit, and he played with Trotz and Lambert in Washington, and he's only 26 years old. Um, simple answer, no. Uh, I, I don't see it. Even though he has a background with Lane Lambert, I don't see him as a Lou Lamarillo type of guy. He's kind of washed out now in both Washington and Detroit. Um you know, he's he's only played 39 games since the, the Red Wings acquired him. He's now in the AHL. He was injured last season, uh, his shoulder. He was in the NHL, NHLPA player assistant program uh, starting in October. He is playing well, uh, six goals, nine points in, um, in the AHL this season. But he, he still has one year left on his deal for next season at $5.25 million. That's just far too much to pay for a guy who is a, that big a uh, question mark. Um, Matt says, uh, and here's a bunch of questions. Uh, uh, Matt says, um, I assume Ilya Sorokin's next contract will be at least $10 million per. And if Lou can't add another piece by the deadline, can he use the cap space to help broker a deal for another team by holding half of a player's salary? Could this fee be a first-round pick? Uh, Thomas Boyle says, um, with Barzell and Horvat locked up, what will Ilya Sorokin, AAVB, um, and his next contract? And PJA says, I'd imagine Lou fully expects to lock up Sorokin long-term. If he can, I'd imagine Lou will bite the bullet and trade him. If he does, how does the cap hit affect the ability to improve the team going forward? Um, I would think if you're looking for a comparable on Ilya Sorokin, you start uh, with fellow Russian Andrei Vasilevsky, who's got an eight-year, $76 million deal that's an AAV of 95 uh, Vasilevsky, of course, has a, a couple of uh, 
Stanley Cups. And uh, look, the odds are that Ilya Sorokin will not have a Stanley Cup. That's this season and next before negotiating his uh, contract, unless Lou can get him signed to an eight-year extension sooner. But if it's not going to be 9.5, that's probably around what Ilya's going to ask for. And maybe you can get him down to 8.5, 8.75, somewhere around there. He is going to be pricey. It, it, I've never liked devoting that much of a salary cap hit to a goalie. I just think it hurts the rest of the roster too much. But someone is going to give Ilya Sorokin that kind of money. And after all these years of waiting for Ilya Sorokin, you, you sort of can't let him walk out the door. Um, I think the Islanders and Sorokin work something out. I, I don't see... Uh, them trading him, uh, you know, that's that that would obviously be a, a worst case disaster. Um, Dan McCarthy, your thoughts on first line Josh Bailey versus Flyers? Would that line be better with Parisi in that spot? Connor G says, does Bailey's tenure on the island make him unmovable? Dirk Check says, greetings from Germany. Why do you think Lane Lambert always goes back to try? Bailey with Barzell on the first line. It, it don't work, so why is he still trying? And Jack Anton says, first line, Josh Bailey is no way to trade a new su superstar. Barring another trade acquisition, would you put Fashing or Parisi up with Horvat and Barzell? And uh, let's see, where do we start? Um, would it be better with Parisi? Uh, I think that's the next option if Josh Bailey does not start producing. But they really like Zach Parisi with Jean-Gabriel Pajot. So that's, uh, it was sort of, to be honest, it was sort of Josh Bailey by elimination when you're, you're looking at slotting in different roles. Josh Bailey had been on the fourth line, but Parisi and Pajot work. You're not breaking up... Uh, uh, Nelson between Lee and Palmieri. I guess the other option is Hudson Fashing. That's a little tough. That's a little above his ceiling right now, being a top-line wing, as hard as he works. Um, he still really, you know, is just settling into this idea that he's a full-time NHL player. He's really bounced back and forth between the NHL and the AHL. I, 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 he's a hard worker, and he could be a good puck retriever, but you really want more scoring potential. And right now, look, Josh Bailey, even though he, he's gone, what, 17 games without a goal or whatever it is, um, and that was his first point in 16 games, he's still... I, I'm sorry to say, I, I think he still gives you a little more scoring potential right now than uh, Hudson Fashing. That can change if if Josh Bailey bombs out. I, I would expect you know Lane to try Zach Parisi there. Um, is is Bailey unmovable? It's not because of his tenure on the island. It's because of the five million he's owed next season with the lack of production uh, right now. No one's going to take that on unless you. You're, you're, you know, adding something on. Um, Lambert always goes back to try Bailey. I, I said this was probably a little bit a uh, uh, process of elimination, but and I know you guys hate hearing me say this, but Lane Lambert and using his coach's eyes uh, sees plays that Josh Bailey makes, little calm plays uh, that, that still get, the team moving. I know you hate hearing me say that because it's sort of, you, you can't quantify those, but the coaches do see it. So if you're asking me for an explanation, that that's why. Um, 
Let's see. Uh, Richard Vollmer says, with Parker Weatherspoon and Samuel Bulldock, the uh, defenseman, uh, they were healthy scratches Monday. Uh, hanging around, you see them trading a D-man other than Pellick for a scoring wing. Uh, that has to be on the table. Uh, Scott Mayfield, of course, is becoming uh, an unrestricted free agent. No contract extension. Really, no really smoker around the fire of hearing that they're working on that. Um, uh, unfortunately for Scott Mayfield, who has been a, a really good Islander, uh, with the raise he's due, I, I, I just, I'm not sure he fits into uh, salary-wise the, the, the Islanders' future here. And I, I do think Samuel Bulldock is ahead of Parker Weatherspoon on, you know, on the uh, list of who's going in next. And I, I think it's going to be soon for Samuel Bulldock. Um, Eric Levine says uh, Sebastian Ajo has been uh, horrible. We have better options. What does coaching and management see in him? Well, they see the skating and the uh, and the scoring potential. They like him on that second power play unit and. Uh, he, he's been a little bit more prone to turnovers uh, going into the All-Star break and certainly against the Flyers. But in bigger picture, he's cut down on that tremendously uh, from last season. Uh, Matt Professional Contrarian, or not, says, uh, after seeing the return of a majority of the injured players for the Flyers game, and that was uh, you know, Palmieri is back now five games, and Hudson Fashing and Noah Dobson returned on Monday, would you say the Islanders passed the eye test or a few more games are needed to show us who they are? They passed the eye test on uh, on Monday, certainly in that first period and again in the third period. Um, I, I'd like to see uh, consistency has been an issue for this team all season. So I'm going to say a couple of more games against uh, better teams than the Flyers. Uh, the GQP is a disaster, says, should the next acquisition be a scoring winger or a stay-at-home D-man? Uh, team is better with Horvat, but still has holes to fill, and I, I still think you need another scoring wing. Uh, you know, Kyle Palmieri's return is helping, um, but, you know, if we talk about Josh Bailey and the fact that Oliver Wallstrom's not coming back and... There are going to be other injuries uh, this season. I think you have more depth at defense. Uh, I would like to see him get a scoring winger. And finally, Kevin Fitzsimmons says, Andrew, do you see any new moves? And yeah, I, 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 again, I think you know Lou has to be on the lookout for more scoring help amongst the top six. And, uh, you know, I've mentioned this guy a couple of times. Uh, I know he really didn't stand out much uh, last night in Philly, but as a playoff rental, only as a playoff rental, James Van Riemsdyk could help this team, you know, pot a few goals and certainly probably on that second power play unit, I, I, JVR could play. Um, now, down in Florida, and Florida is making a move, so I don't know if they would do this, but the, the Panthers are cap-crunched. And they've got Anthony Duclair coming off a long-term injured reserve. He'd been dealing with an Achilles injury, but he did have 30 goals last season. And, and when healthy, he's a good skater, and he likes scoring those goals. He's probably not the strongest defensive player, which is a strike against him in Islanders land. But he only he has one more season left 
on a three-year, $9 million deal. He's affordable. If if the Panthers look to move Anthony Duclair, I'd be in on that. And thank you for your questions. And that is it for episode 154 of Island Ice, Newsday's New York Islanders podcast. Please go to newsday.com backslash aisles or newsday.com backslash sports for Islanders content. And until the next episode, happy hockey, everybody.